It's a blessing to be uh, with you here this morning. The last time I preached was uh, a year ago. And uh, I think most of you know that uh, we have been involved with uh, overseas missions for the last uh, decade in about 15 or 16 different countries. Uh, obviously, we haven't been able to do too much of that uh, since COVID has hit, but we have still been involved with Aboriginal ministry and uh, certainly through uh, technology we have uh, been connecting with people. I want to share a little bit uh, of a testimony regarding a particular country, a place called Myanmar or Burma, used to be called Burma. You can see a group of people there and uh, I pointed out two people, one Pastor Timothy and another one uh, Pastor Paul. This was uh, at a ministry I did a few years ago in, uh, in, in a place called Kaya State where we had uh, ministered to these people. And the reason I've got that before you is I want to talk about, uh, particularly a little bit later, the arrow that is down towards a little man called uh, Pastor Paul. But just to give you a little bit of background, just in case you're unfamiliar with, uh, with Myanmar, Burma, if you were to get in an aeroplane, you could be there directly in about eight hours. So it's not that far from us a country that has been reached uh, with the, the gospel starting about 200 years ago, but made up of many peoples. The, the Burmese people are the main people, but there are a number of other, other tribal people. Uh, the tribal people have tended to be reached with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Burmese people themselves are not so much so. So in recent years, Burma, Myanmar, uh, was controlled by a military junta, uh, completely uh, controlling the people with, with uh, little liberties. And uh, I had the opportunity to start going to, to Myanmar, Burma, uh, about 2014. And uh, this was just as uh, Myanmar was opening up to the West. And so when I went there, there were still uh, restrictions and uh, I had to stay in a, ho a hotel uh, that was uh, 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 only allowed by the government. And uh, so I just realized how restrictive it was and what an opportunity it was to go there. So in the beginning, I particularly was preaching in the Bible college to about 150 students. And then as time went on, because I was going there once or twice a year, doors began to open up and the, the military government uh, allowed uh, you to, to visit other places for ministry. They finally allowed the elected government to rule with a lady called Aung San Suu Kyi and there was even more liberty as this began to occur. And yet there were some big changes at the beginning of this year. The military junta overtook again and they kicked out the government and there began to be great periods of violence. You have a, a bit of an excerpt there, which I will read to you just very briefly in a moment. But I've been regularly receiving letters from my friend, Pastor Timothy. You'll see uh, him pointed out there. And uh, just the atrocities that have been happening is unbelievable. And yet this is on our doorstep. As the military junta took over, uh, lives were lost. People's homes were destroyed. Uh, many of the, the Christians, believers and others had to go out and live in the forest because they had no other way of providing for themselves. Uh, they went there for protection and so on. 
And it became very real to me as time went on because uh, one of my former Bible college students was involved with, with uh, one of the riots. He wasn't rioting himself. He had seen people marching in the streets and he noticed that his sister was, was there marching and he went in to rescue her. And as he went in to rescue her, he got shot and killed. And so for the first time, this happened uh, five months ago, it became reality to me that these were people that I knew and loved. These were people that, that knew the Lord and yet they were suffering deeply in this way beyond measure. And then about four months ago, the country got hit particularly with uh, severe cases of COVID-19. And uh, this also became real to me because some of the, the pastors, particularly some of the people that were dying, I knew them. And then about a month ago, you'll see him there, as I've pointed out to you, Pastor Paul. This was a man that we had spent many hours uh, preaching together. He was my, my translator, a great evangelist, been used by many to he uh, was used often to, to bring people to Christ. Uh, he had been alongside me as we preached through Revelation and th through Acts. We'd spent a lot of time together. And yet a, a month ago, he got COVID and he died. And I just remember weeping at the time, thinking this man that had been used so greatly by the Lord has passed away. It hit me in a way that nothing else had before yet this same man i can picture we were up in a town in northern myanmar and preaching together and uh, we were going around from restaurant to restaurant in a motorbike with a sidecar and paul would go into the restaurant and then he would come out and I'd said to him finally I said why are you going into all these places and and uh, then coming out and we're not going in there to eat I was getting hungry and he said to me he said well he said a few years previous to this he said there was a missionary Australian missionary pastor that was here and he said we went in and ate in one of these places and he said that missionary got dysentery and he nearly died and he said I do not want the same thing to happen to you and then to think that he himself has gone to be with the Lord. Just with the excerpt that is there, I may not read through all of it, but I want you to get an idea of what is still happening in Myanmar. The COVID situation has somewhat decreased, yet there are still people dying from that. The military junta is getting worse. And yet through all of this, the people have, the Christians have been reaching out to others. One of the greatest needs during the COVID situation was of oxygen. And so the Christians were, were supplying oxygen for those that were in need of it. And at the same time, they were using that to present the gospel. So the excerpt here that I can read, and you'll see it there in your bulletin, Timothy says this. Timothy is the main uh, leader pastor that I continue to work with. He's also the brother of the pastor Paul that has, has died. He says, COVID as a whole, generally COVID cases are coming down. 
However, it is spreading to rural areas. It is sad to say that within four months, and I want you to stop and think about this, 159 Chin pastors, this is just one people group, 159 pastors have died from COVID in the last four months. Put that on our own situation and think about what this represents. 159 pastors have died of COVID. Half of them were evangelical pastors and this is just in one people group. Please continue to pray for those suffering with COVID. Then he mentions the battles there. He said the battle is getting worse. Last Friday, so this is just recent news, in Yangon, which is the main city alone, bombs exploded 22 times at 22 different places. Some people died. Bomb explosions occur every day in Yangon City and other cities and towns. Yesterday in Chin State, which is where Timothy comes from, terrorists shot civilians and burn houses. A young Baptist pastor tried to stop a fire while riding a motorbike. He was shot and killed by the terrorists. They cut off his finger and took his wedding ring. It was terrible. Last Wednesday, a Baptist pastor in Mandalay was arrested by the terrorists at his house. They took his mobile phones and stole a lot of money from the house. No one knows where the pastor is now. And these stories are often repeated over and over again. Fighting is everywhere. And every day, it is not safe for civilians. The educated and politicians believe that this is just the beginning. The future of Myanmar is worse. The sad thing is many innocent people have been killed, including children, women and abnormal people. The terrorists are destroying Christian church buildings. We are crying, how long, Lord? Please share our situation with believers so that they can pray. God is watching and he will judge rightly in his time. Let's pray. Lord, at this time we are remembering missions. We have our local missions, the person that lives near us, the person in our street, the person in our town. But Lord, help us not to forget overseas missions where we are not able to, to get there at this time, and yet, Lord, there is great suffering in places like Myanmar. Lord, to think of all those pastors that have died, to think of the fact that they will need to be replaced. And so, Lord, our prayer in this time has been that uh, you would send workers out to the harvest, and we pray, Lord, that there would be workers, leaders, laborers, pastors to replace those that have been lost in jesus precious name amen and your bible's there if you can i will read the three verses from matthew chapter 9 that we have repeated a number of times uh, over this series of messages but i just want to remind you of them because this is my text this morning Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36 through 38, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary, or it means harassed, and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest, 
to send out laborers into his harvest. Picture before us of a harvest that is ripe. And I think it's something that we can relate a little bit to in recent times with, with COVID impacting the, the labor force that we previously could bring from, from overseas. We're finding that uh, there's been cases across our country where the harvest is ready, but the thought is, do we have enough laborers to reap that harvest? And I want us to go beyond that this morning and to think about that fact in a spiritual sense. The harvest is ready. There are people that need to and want to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal saviour, but they need somebody, somebody to share with them the good news that the Lord Jesus Christ has died on the cross for their sins. They need somebody. The harvest is ready. And that's not the problem, but the labourers are few. If you wanted a, a principle that relates to my message this morning, the principle simply is this, that the Lord wants us to reach a lost world. He does. That has never changed. And as we go through this passage this morning, I, I want us to consider, first of all, the great need. The great need. And you'll notice there as, as you look in your bulletin or even as you look at the, the verses that we have read, I want us to see that the great need is this, that people are scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And I want us to think about that for a moment. The Lord Jesus Christ looked out on the crowd, the, the Lord of all, and he looked out in the crowd and he had uh, great concern upon them because he knew that they, they were like sheep with no shepherd. They had no one to be able to minister to them. And he was burdened for them. And so as we think about the great need, I want you to think first of all that there is a great need on our part even as the Lord had, there is a great need on our part to have compassion. There's a great need for compassion. As I was reading through this passage and I was thinking about the sheep that are mentioned there, it made me recall that for, for many years I was a small-time shepherd. And I say a small-time shepherd because we only ever had at the most about 35 sheep. We had two, two hectares of land, about eight acres down, down south, and uh, we basically got sheep so that I didn't have to go out and mow those two hectares of land. And so gradually I got close to the sheep over a period of around about 12 years got to know them personally because unknown, uh, un unlike those who have many, many sheep, I was able to get to know them by name and, and get to know them in a, in a special and unique way. And so you became close to them. You, you identified with all the unique ways. It was an August night a number of years ago, lying in bed. I was fast asleep. 
And next thing I knew, I was awakened out of my sleep rather quickly because there was a nudge on my side. It was my wife, Susan, and she said, Jim, you need to wake up. I can hear some some dogs barking and it sounds like our, our sheep are bleating. You need to get up. And I thought to myself at the time, why is it that she's asking me to get up? I don't want to go out into the cold night. It's a bit the opposite, isn't it? When you're having children, usually the lady gets up, but here... I was the one having to get up and go out into the night. And fair enough, as I walked out into the night, I could hear sheep bleating and I could hear dogs barking. And I went down to the corner of our property and I, and I, uh, I, I could see through the semi-darkness what was going on. I could see two dogs and I could see at least two sheep that were lying there in the ground. My concern was, was great. That is a picture that you see of one of the sheep that was killed that night. I didn't give the whole picture because it was rather graphic. But I remember as I walked down to where I could hear the noise of barking and I yelled out and the dogs ran away and I could see in the semi-darkness that there were at least two sheep that were dead. And the grief that I felt over that The loss of life, yes, these were animals, but these were animals that I knew. And my concern was this was lambing time and I knew that we had at least one ewe, we had at least one sheep that had had triplets. And I looked down and I thought, is this the mother of the triplets? Because my concern was, and this became your concern over and over again, whenever a ewe would reject the lambs, then you knew it became your responsibility and you became like a mother having to get up through many hours of the night to go out and feed these lambs by bottle. And so I was grieved about that as well. And then I, I, I listened to see whether I could hear the, the triplets and, and I could hear the little noise of meh, meh. It's when they grow up that they say, bah, bah. But when they're young, they say, meh, meh. And I went along and there was a water culvert and I saw the the triplets there and I grabbed two under one arm and one under the other arm and I began to to walk up to the, the house grieved over the loss of the lives of these sheep, thinking that maybe the mother of these triplets was one that had died. And as I walked up with the lambs under my arms, I suddenly heard a bah, bah, and the lambs responded under my arms with meh, meh, and I knew it was okay. But I remember that night. I remember that night, and it has come back to me many times, just as I had deep compassion over the, the sheep and the loss of their life. That is the way. That is the heart that the Lord wants from us. As we walk through the shopping centers, as, as, as we walk through, through crowds, and as we walk amongst those people that we, we meet every day, do we have compassion because they are, are like sheep without a shepherd? And if they never receive the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that they will die and go to hell. Do we have compassion? wanting to save them. The other thing that I want you to see regarding the great need is is that there is a great need for caring. 
There is a great need for caring. You have a picture before you. You can't see him too well, but that is, that is our dog called Ace. You can see him desiring a, an ice cream there, which he didn't get, by the way. Looks like a very innocent sort of dog. What happened for us is we had a, a couple of our dogs die, and eventually I said to Susan, we need another dog. And so I dropped by the, the Bridgetown uh, kennels and I went in and they had this, this rangy type looking dog as he looked at the time. He had a big head and a small body and, uh, and, and they said he's up for adoption. And I said, what's the history of this dog called Ace? Because that was his name and we kept the name. And they said, well, he had been somewhat rebellious. He had been in a home in Manjimup. And every now and then he would jump over the fence and he would run around town causing a lot of problems. And so he was arrested many times. And finally the council said, uh, you need to do something with this dog, otherwise we'll put him down. And so he was given to the kennels and then we inherited him. He'd never been trained and so we made certain that our fences were secure so that he kept within those fences. But one day it happened that he got out. And I saw it. And he began to run after the sheep and they were scattered. They were, were weary. Even as it says there in the word of God, it was, it was the same sort of picture that, that we had. The sheep were weary and they were scattered. I could see them going everywhere and our dog Ace kept on running and running and running and running after them. And, and the more I shouted, the more he thought I was telling him to, to go after them even more. And then he cornered them and ran them down towards our dam. And next thing I could see the inevitable happening and at least two of the sheep went into the dam. And the sheep had their full wool on them. They went into the dam and I realised that they were going to die there. I quickly grabbed my canoe and I went out in the canoe to try and rescue them. But by this time they were bobbing in the water dead a bit like a scene that you would have from the Titanic, people bobbing in the water, and my heart was grieved, scattered, harassed. And the Lord was saying that that's the way that people are, scattered, no hope, no understanding that, that the Lord has, has promised that they can have eternal life if they receive the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the great need. The great need is for us to, to remember that Christ has died for all those who don't know him and yet they need us to share the truth with them. I need to move on quickly. I want you to see also in this, in this passage here, there is the great lack. There is a great lack. And what it brings out there is that the laborers are few. The laborers are few. And I think about that. Why are the laborers few? Why is it that that so few of us are willing to share the truth of the gospel. Why is it? It's not of the harvest, if you consider that. It's not of the harvest because it says there that the harvest is truly plentiful. Now, I shared this story a few years ago. I shared this story about a young man in India called Monaj. But I've often shared this story because it has been an inspiration to me that no matter who we are, if we have compassion and caring for those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll want to share with them. Monaj 
was introduced to me first probably about eight years ago. I'd gone to preach in India to teach uh, some of the students and there was this young man who was translating for me because there's many languages in India. He was translating for me into a language called Aria. And, and I thought, thought he was a good translator. And so I spoke to, to uh, Pastor Daniel. You can see him turned away from us, but Monage is the man in the foreground. And so I spoke to Pastor, Pastor Daniel Lincoln and I said, who is this young man, Monage? And he proceeded to tell me the story about him. And he said these, these things to me. He said, Monage, he said, we call him simple monage and he said this with a twinkle in his eye he said what happened is he saw the advertisement for our bible college in in a in a magazine and so he rang me up one day and he said uh, could i come to your bible college he lived about two days journey away he came down to bible college and he struggled he was an orphan he struggled Daniel Lincoln said to me, many times he would weep, he would cry, and he would want to give up on, on Bible college. And he said, we called him simple, he said, because you would ask him something and he would forget exactly what it was he was to do. He said, one day we asked him to go and get some bread and some milk and some soup. And he, and he said, then he came back with bread and milk and soap. He said, we, we called him simple because we felt that he wasn't very clear on things. There came a day where Monage's auntie who was looking after the property back in Odisha State where he came from, she died and he had to go back. Only after a year and a half of Bible college, he had to go back to his, his home place. And a few months went by because Daniel Lincoln thought he'd never hear from Monage again. A few months went by and then one day he got a phone call from Monage and, and Monage says, you've got to come up to, to my place, you've got to come up to my area Daniel Lincoln he said because all these people are getting saved what this so-called simple monarch had done he'd gone back to his home place his home area and because of his love and compassion for souls and people that didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ he began to share with these people and all these people came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and I had a, the privilege a few years after this went back there a number of times to his area and, and also saw people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ through the ministry. And I think to myself, it all started with a young man, although he was considered to be simple in a nice way, although he was considered to be simple, he had a compassion and he saw that the harvest was truly plentiful. And that's the way we need to see it. The great lack is not of the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but it's of the workers. You can see that. The workers, the laborers are few. And I just very quickly this morning want to share just some, some brief uh, areas of personal testimony also, because I want us to see that any one of us, wherever we are, we can share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were like me, when I was in my teenage years, I was absolutely afraid of speaking to people. I went to Bible college as a 17-year-old for one year in the United States of America, and I came back somewhat discouraged by some of the things that had happened there. And so I began traveling around Australia, and, and I ended up in Melbourne, and I met this, this guy. His name was David. And he wasn't the sort of popular sort of person that you would think of, but he was a saved Christian. And in the end, I had nowhere else to stay. And so he let me stay in his parents' home for a little while. And I got to know David. And one day David said to me, he said, Jim, do you know how to lead somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ? 
And I said, no. He said, well, why not? And I said, well, I don't know how. I'm, I'm afraid to do it. And he said to me, and you've got the picture there before you, he said, well, he said, all I do is I use a tract, a little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. Now, I don't even remember what those four spiritual laws are now. But he said, I just share this with people and I go through this. And he said, people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought, well, I can do that. I can take this tract and I can begin to show people the way of salvation through this. And so I did. And people came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so some of my fears, some of my fears were gone because I saw, I saw this truth. I saw this truth that as we think about the, the great lack the harvest is, is plentiful. It's not of the harvest, but it's because the laborers are few. Often it's because we are afraid. We do not want, know what to say. But if we have compassion for people, those barriers will go. Thirdly, I want us to focus on the great prayer, which many of us would have been praying over the last month, particularly as we pray that the Lord of the harvest, the Lord Jesus Christ, will send out laborers and i was thinking about this how can the lord answer this prayer we can pray this prayer and not necessarily engage with it and so i want us to think about to whom this prayer is addressed and to whom this prayer is about it's to the lord of the harvest so we're praying to the Lord when we're praying for this. Remember, this is our Lord that we are praying to. And so therefore, the Lord says there, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest will send workers out into his field. I began to think about that. As we pray to the Lord of the harvest, let's remember who we're praying to. Let's remember that he will answer prayer if we are sincere about that. I have a picture there representing Hannah in the Old Testament and uh, what is spoken to me often about Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 1 and verse 11. Remember she was praying for a child. She couldn't have a child. And she said to the Lord, if you give me a male child, then I will give him back to you all the days of his life. And I want us to think about this. If we're praying for, for workers into the harvest, as parents, we can pray for our children. We can give them back to the Lord and say, Lord, use them that they could be laborers for you. My mother is in a nursing home at this particular time with, with uh, loss of memory, uh, almost complete dementia. And, uh, and yet she was a godly woman that was used in my life. When I was born, she did like Hannah and she gave me back to the Lord to be used. She was really praying, Lord, that you would send workers out into the harvest. And the Lord answered her prayer. And so I think the encouragement for us as parents is, is to do the same thing. Give our children back to the Lord so that they could be laborers, workers for the harvest. And that is to think about the great prayer. I want you to think about for what? The great prayer is for workers to send out laborers. And I, I want us to, to ponder upon something. You've, you've got something there before you. If you look at the writing, it says, Turn back Jimmy Creek. This became something very relevant in my life. I'd been down in Melbourne and then I was on my way up to Queensland to try and find work up there. And the little car that I was in was, was overheating during the day. It was the middle of summer. 
and I was having a drive at night and I was driving through the night and I was just crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do like, uh, like Paul did in, in Acts in chapter 9? I was crying out, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I know we have to be careful of signs. And I know we have to be careful of uh, misconstruing the word of God. But at that moment, as, as I was crying out to the Lord, there was a sign in the middle of the night that said, turn back Jimmy Creek. And it just so happened that my name was Jim Jimmy. And I thought, well, Lord, are you trying to tell me something even as I'm asking, what do you want me to do? And so I did turn back, ended up going back down to Melbourne. And the Lord did a wonderful work. And I want us to, to think about this. If we are praying, Lord, send workers out to the field, out to the harvest, it could be that we are an answer to our prayer, even as it was for me. And so finally, I want us to think about this great prayer is to where it's to the harvest. We're praying for the harvest into his harvest. I went back down to Melbourne and within a short while, you can see a picture here of a church called Glenroy Baptist. There was a new pastor there. There was a, a, a Sunday school leader there and I became the youth pastor. And in the time that we were there, we saw so many people saved coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day, somebody came to me in the church and I can never forget what they had to say. They said, you and the pastor and the Sunday school leader are an answer to prayer. They said, we had a man in this church that prayed for years and years for a harvest in this church, that there would be revival and that people would be saved. And they said to me, he died a few years ago. But the person said, we believe you are the answer to his prayer. The pastor was leading people to the Lord. The Sunday school leader was leading people to the Lord. And there were young people coming to me at that time, literally asking, how do I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? And it was an answer to prayer. Somebody had prayed. You, you see, when we pray this prayer and we believe it, God will answer, even beyond the grave, showing the importance of prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, my heart is this morning that in our fear, in our lack of thinking that we could be competent, in our Involvement in everyday life, Lord, that we would receive a burden. Lord, that it would be as, as we would see people like sheep scattered. Scattered without any hope. And that they need to hear the truth of the gospel from us. Lord, help us to see that there is a great lack, Lord, that there is a need for, for those that would be willing to surrender to be used by you, Lord, because we know that the harvest is ready, it's ripe, it's just waiting for those to share the gospel and to, to share the truth. And Lord, I pray that we would be praying this prayer. Lord, it may be that our children would be raised up to serve you. It may be that you would call us. Or it may be that as we pray, Lord, because you've seen us sincere and faithful in our prayer, that one day you will answer that in an unexpected way. In Jesus' precious name, amen.